Hi, this is Andrea Borcha. And I'm Charles Wilchin. This is Far Stuff. This is the Internet of Things podcast. This week on Far Stuff, we are talking about what is the Internet of Things anyway? Which sounds like a great place to start with an Internet of Things podcast is to actually define what exactly this Internet of Things is. This happens a lot when new concepts are introduced to the market that people aren't quite sure how to define them. And and this, you know, when you actually look through the origins and the history of the Internet of Things, there's quite a bit of evolution into what the original concept of what the Internet of Things was. Oh, yeah. From what I've read, the first conceptualization of this Internet of Things was really just putting RFID tags on everything. Isn't that right? Yes. Um, radio frequency identification tags um, was kind of how the, the concept of this Internet of Things started off. And you may wonder why. And the reason why that was considered even something you could call the Internet of Things is because it gave objects effectively a unique ID. And so the story goes that uh, Kevin Ashton was giving a presentation at Proctor and Gamble in 1999. He believes that he um, created the phrase, the Internet of Things, in uh, relation to talking about RFID tags on stuff. And his quote was, if we had computers that knew everything there was to know about things, using data they gathered without any help from us, we would be able to track and count everything and greatly reduce waste, loss, and cost. We would know when things needed replacing, repairing, or recalling, and whether they were fresh or past their best. And at that moment in time, it was ridiculous to consider having any computing power on everything. But if you're Walmart and there's an RFID tag on everything, then all your Procter & Gamble products could be tracked as they moved through the supply chain, and that would be really cool. Yep, yep. And uh, it, it still seems like a pretty s uh, simplistic way of trying to achieve the grander vision that he was talking about. Um, I, I don't know that he, I guess he wants to claim the, the term Internet of Things, but I don't, yeah. I don't know that there's a lot of other things you could have called the Internet of Things. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll give him that. I'll, I'd, I'm happy to give him that. What the mm -hmm. heck? Um, and um, we named our podcast after that. And we so, did. So I guess we owe well, him a dollar. Yes. I will buy him coffee. Okay. Gladly. That, that, that would be I would be love good. to buy him coffee. He was the uh, co-founder and executive director of this MIT Auto ID Center, which had a pretty grand goal, which is to create an electronic product code, which is basically to RFID what barcodes were to um, the printed material that surrounds products that lets people do that kind of by hand if you're in the area. And the RFID tag thing would have been really interesting. I, I still think it hasn't quite um, taken hold, his vision. Um, and when it does, I think it'll be uh, pretty interesting. No, the vision, I think the vision is is what the most impressive part is. And I yeah. think that's what everybody's kind of bought into as to what this next evolution of the internet is. We're moving from a, a world where you're actively in interacting with the internet where you know that you're making a deliberate effort to interact with the internet more into a world where it is passive, where it, things just passively interact around you 
and what you need comes up when it, when you need it and then, and it does what it needs to do. Um, and I guess, you know, given the technology in 1999, RFID tags is a good first step. Exactly. Um, all the computing power is kind of off, um, outside the products, but presumably they'd be all over the Walmart or whatever. And, um, at least they would know where stuff was. And just by, um, just by the virtue of knowing where stuff was and when it arrived and, uh, being able to match it up to, you know, other information in the system, they could do really interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, at the, at the very least, you'd have an accurate count of what is where and, uh, what, what needs to happen. Yeah. And the other important thing about his definition is that it minimizes his definition to suggest that it was just about RFIDs. What he really, uh, I think captured in that early internet of things presentation was in the history of the internet at that point, all the data had been, um, created, um, maintained, captured, uh, entered by humans. And his big idea was that, whoa, this is going to change everything because all of a sudden there's going to be this data created and captured by things or the way that things interact with their environment. And so that I think is, is really the big idea of, um, that Kevin had. And I think it's correct. You know, the, the amount of data that these things will create will quickly uh, destroy the amount of data that we've spoon fed to the Internet thus far yeah. in our lives. And so. completely overwhelm it. But I, I, I think this is the way that things need to happen, right? It, letting everything become smart within itself. I mean, Boeing, you know, a couple of years ago was talking about how they're, they've put enough technology into their planes that the plane actually informs the engineers when something's gone wrong rather than something going wrong and then people actively having to jump in and troubleshoot that the different parts of the plane informs yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, the um, cars too. I mean, the, the, the amount of um, computers in a car these days is crazy. I think I, I read it was on the order of nine on average or something. So um, I know that I have a little device, you know, plugged into my car that tells my phone when it doesn't feel good, you know? Yeah. So I think, it, I think it is inevitable, and that comes with some fun and scary things. So that's Kevin's uh, definition from a presentation from 1999 that he kind of um, claimed officially in, in an article uh, called The Internet of Things Thing in 2009. But as we've talked about, uh, the Internet of Things is really um, changing way beyond uh, his in, initial kind of thoughts about having just an RFID tech on everything. Yeah, definitely. I, as, as we've been saying, there's, there's things getting smarter and, uh, processing data, computing a bit more. And, and I think his initial thoughts seem to touch on the, the first base requirement of being an internet of things is connecting, right? Starting to connect things and adding things to our network beyond just a computer, and, and connecting actual things. So, I mean, in, in essence, you could call it just the connection of things uh, rather than the Internet of Things, at least in this first iteration that he talked about. No, that's a good point. I mean, those RFID tags are the glue that kind of connects a physical object with, you know, a database with computing power on, on some central machine. Absolutely. So if we start with just that connection of things, um, I think we've seen it evolve into something a bit bigger. I think everyone achieved that connection of things, even through the concept of the RFID tags, and now they expect a little bit more of it. As 
phones are getting smarter as, uh, you know, the internet's getting smarter as they're starting to learn about our habits and how we search and, and what we're looking for, it looks like we're, we're trying to get into a, something that's also doesn't just connect, but also gets a bit smarter. Yeah. The smarter aspect is important. I don't think that Kevin could have imagined how, you know, how, how fast computers would get small and how quickly the power requirements of computing would just plummet. Yeah. That, you know, that, that, that's a good point. I mean, it, it kind of takes us into what, what is required to create this internet of things. And, and I think you're right. I think that's one of them is the, the smaller, the computing power and the more access we have and the more easily it is to connect to cell phone networks or Wi-Fi networks or anything that transmits data. And, you know, there's, there's these core elements that are speeding along and those really influence what the concept of internet of things can really become. Yeah. I mean, Moore's law keeps chugging away. We, we keep getting threats that it's going to end at any time. And so I'm, I'm prepared myself. I've girded myself for that possibility. I hope you have too. Oh, absolutely. Um, but in the meantime, computers continue to get (laughs) very cheap. Um, and the cheapness is, is of course, you know, an enabler, um, when computing gets to the point where you can, you know, embed, embed them in advertisements and in, in magazines like we've seen, uh, that really changes the game. And now all these things gain some, you know, in many cases, tiny amounts of computing power. But in many cases, tiny amounts is all you need. Yeah. Yeah. This what the I think the only way to really continue to chug this along, though, is is there needs to be some sort of base set of standards because you've seen that that's when things really start speeding. I mean, right now it, it feels that the Internet of Things is the hot topic. I mean, we saw it like crazy at CES and and everywhere. There's every week there's a new one on Indiegogo or Kickstarter, some new Internet of Things thing that's connected. Um, but to really make it successful, you have to create that ecosystem, right? You can't have the network effect if there's only a few things on multiple different technologies, multiple different languages, somehow everything needs to get to some sort of standard. Totally. That's an excellent point. And right now we have kind of this ad hoc world where, you know, my Fitbit can talk to my Withing scale sort of because some business development folks in each organization thought that would be a mutually beneficial situation. But as a consumer, that doesn't help me if I have some kind of, you know, some combination of things that, you know, aren't on someone's view Definitely. Someone's radar. Yeah. And, and how we define that infrastructure will be interesting. There are a couple internet of things devices out there that are trying to set their own standard. They're trying to become their own platform. Uh, like the Ninja, for example, that was on a uh, Kickstarter. And then I'm sure all the big players, Cisco, IBM are going to have their own standards that they're going to. Yeah. I mean, it feels like, um, we're going to have a big, you know, Google versus Apple battle again. Yeah. You know, and, and they can probably get away with with that in the short term, sadly. Yeah, well, because everyone wants to have the coolest thing. And, and you know, people and the general public, as we tend to do, are easily distracted by shiny objects. So whoever comes up with the next shiny object, like the next the Nest thermostat, mm-hmm. that's the coolest little thing, will flock to. And But I think that's very distracting for the people that actually have the... Uh, expertise to create this internet of things. Because I think if you actually follow market trends and, and our short attention span, there's no way that you have a set 
concept of what this infrastructure needs to be and, and what we want to build from it. Yeah, that's true. And it's probably worth noting at this point in the podcast that there are tons of standards and many of them are sort of given. I mean, there's there's the radio layer standards like um, Bluetooth LE is is really kind of already entrenched in the space. Uh, things like um, IP are kind of a given for, for most things that communicate. Um, that's the internet part of the internet of things. Uh, but it's these pesky application layer standards. Like how does my, uh, you know, device X actually talk to my device Y? How do health devices communicate securely with my doctor? Um, there's all that stuff that's interesting TBD. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, it's an interesting world that we're, that we're moving into, but I think it's very exciting and I think there's a high demand for it. I think people are actively expecting that everything around them will get smarter and will help us to, to create uh, a better world. There was one, uh, one Ted talk, uh, I happened to see that was a uh, Dr. John Barrett, who's a technologist. And, um, he defined the internet of things as having a few rules. So one, it needed to have an identity. And I think that's where the RFID tag comes in, that there was some way that this thing had to have some sort of identity that could be identified on a network and it could have its own entity, essentially. Uh, the second uh, rule he came up with was that it needed to have senses so that it could interpret the world around it, that it could interpret the information that's most relevant to the technology itself. And his third rule was that you could control it from anywhere in the world. And that was the, the real core way that he had defined what the Internet of Things is and where it needs to head. And and most of the examples that he gave had to do with, uh, you know, just normal everyday concepts of I, I want to be able to manage my home or sure. my things from anywhere in the world. My things need to be able to tell me how things are going, how how it's feeling, mm -hmm. um, you know, getting into its own sentient being. Um, and <laughs> since I've given it an identity, I need to be able to identify that you know, where my washing machine is. And he actually took it to a, a, another level where he was suggesting that not only does your washing machine notify you that the wash is done, mm -hmm. but uh, it will, it informs you rather when it's done the ideal amount of washing rather than you controlling how long it needs to wash something, which I guess. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, that definitely kind of goes into the whole uh, computing aspect of it. Yeah. Things getting smarter. So now so now the, the things in your life become the experts at what they do. Your washing machine is the expert at washing your clothes. Absolutely. So you should not have any control on the temperature, on the time, on anything. It will figure it out and it will let you know when it's good and ready to give your clothes back perfectly sure. clean. Absolutely. I don't want to run my Roomba around with remote as fun as that sounds. <laughs> I wanted to just get my floor clean. I'm going to give him a one out of three okay. on his definition. All right. Um, I th it needs to have an identity. I think, I, I'm sorry I didn't haven't seen it, but I think what he means is that every device should be kind of um, have its own, I guess, IP address or potentially even URL if you map a URL to that. I think that leaves out a really important class of devices which um, communicate with other devices to reach the Internet. So in other words... My Fitbit doesn't have an IP address, but the Fitbit app on my phone makes it so the phone is is basically a peripheral for my Fitbit and uses the app as a proxy. And that sort of companion app, I think, is a crucial concept for the Internet of Things. You also might have 
uh, fire alarms uh, scattered throughout your uh, house that aren't directly IP addressable, um, but they use a central, some sort of central hub like the Nest thermostat to do what they want to do. So then doesn't that become that you are, the thing itself isn't the thing that's on the internet of things, but the network of things still becomes a node on the internet of things. Yeah, I would argue that it is, the Fitbit is a part of the internet of things, uh, for example, or those uh, alarms are part of the internet of things. It's just that they happen to go through a proxy. They, they can communicate. They do have wireless capabilities. Um, and they, they do end up working with other stuff. But they are, I think the, the neat thing about the, in, the Internet of Things is that it's a concert of devices well, in a, a giant analogy. ecosystem. And so although every device might not have every feature by itself, they do share some core features. And I think those core things are what I would like to you know, how, how I would like to define the internet of things. Definitely. I, I think it's, I think that's what makes it such a challenge to identify yes. and define what the internet <clears throat> of things is right now, because we're in transition. Yes. So y you're making a lot of points about this proxy level, mm -hmm. but I think the proxy level is just because we're stuck in this interim step of getting from what I know is a Google yeah. search to my things communicating with me as if we're all a part of some happy Disney movie. Okay. So this is my, this is my, <laughs> I'm going to address point three of three. Ooh. Okay. And I think it's a crucial part. All right. Uh, control it from anywhere in the world. Yes. No way. <laughs> okay. I don't want you to access my, I may bleep that. I don't want <laughs> I you to access my um, my pulse oximeter data from anywhere in the world. Well, so then you get into security, right? Right. I, and proxies yes. or or facade patterns that support authentication and make sure that every request that comes through yeah. is authenticated is a critical part of a security picture. And so that's why I'm arguing that point. Interesting. Control it from anywhere in the world. We just saw a hack where people's refrigerators were used to send spam. That's pretty no, impressive. That is not a requirement. Yeah. Well, so I feel like then you get into the the general fear, the, the core fear that everybody has sure. about this Internet of Things, right? Is, yes, we want to get things connected and smart, but are we just giving terrorists and hackers another platform to have a bit of fun with us? Of course we are, is the answer. And... But I think that needs to be addressed in a way because you can't then stall the development of our interconnectedness, right? You, you do want to have a smart heart pump. Yes. But I also don't want that hacked so that someone can kill me. Although that would be a really interesting murder trial, I would have to say. Sure. And, and you'd be like, well, the default password was password. <laughs> And the, and the doctor didn't change it, so the doctor's responsible? Right. Or, you know, the hacker was actually just trying to use it as a proxy to send some spam to, or to hack, sure. to learn your health information and put in a comma where he shouldn't have put in a comma. And now Andrea, you've dropped dead. That will happen. I promise. And it will be tragic and fascinating. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a brave new world we're getting into. And um, I, I think naturally because well he did actually uh have one interesting thing that i thought oh was i'm a, sure no no well, offense no, no. to dr john no no but he did he did call us a technocracy 
And I think that is actually a pretty accurate statement because the Internet of Things is a perfect example of this. I think technology is running full speed ahead and there's it will take the legal system and security and everyone else a little bit to catch up. And I, I think because we are so obsessed with technology and we find it to be the sexiest thing that's ever existed and we have this innovation and everyone wants to be the next Steve Jobs or the next person that invents the most amazing thing on the Internet of Things. Yeah. There's no way to stall that. There's no way to stop that. So I I don't see us having figured out the security issue or uh, privacy issue anytime before the technology already exists that you could shut down someone's heart from Pakistan. Yes, I I I agree completely. We are a ready fire aim business and the sh- Thank goodness for capitalism, because people will start to get sued and there will be a financial motivation for things that align with our interests as individual humans. And I I'm glad about that. But I I think you're also right. The music industry is still recoiling from changes that happened in their industry 10 or 15 years ago. And I can I just hope hospitals are smarter. It, it It's going to be interesting. Tell me they're smarter. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> well, for grandma, no. <laughs> well, it's interesting. The healthcare field is, is interesting because you have physicians that are, um, flat out stuck in the way that they've been doing things for the last 30 years. Um, and to be fair on the other side of the spectrum, you have that we haven't really had anything terribly innovative created in the healthcare field that in this realm, um, in a long time, you know, some, some key opinion leaders are arguing that the healthcare field hasn't evolved in 15 years, Hmm. realistically, you know, aside from some exceptional surgical equipment, but Mm -hmm. not in the general health and wellness area. So you do have these physicians that are flat out refusing to get into the digital space, regardless that the government's requiring now with the affordable care act. And it's, uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go with the healthcare yeah. field because you can do some pretty amazing things. Imagine your heart talking to you because you've got a heart valve that's connected and it can tell you everything about how the rest of your body is functioning. So we're going to do a whole episode on that, aren't we? I know. I wait, can't wait. No, we will. No, I'm going to learn so much from you. Oh, I love it. But I think... Yes, there's always a challenge. And it's interesting that the financial, I I think you're right. I think the financial will be the one that pushes the Internet of Things to be held accountable for its own actions and decisions. And hopefully it will jump in before we do too much damage, but also still allow the innovation that needs to happen in this arena. Because at the end of the day, there's a really good purpose for why we're trying to get into the Internet of Things, right? Is there? I guess I should have thought about this before we started the podcast. Yeah, well. But is there? Do you, do you think there's absolutely no positive benefit? No, I think there's I think there's a lot. There's, I'm, I'm know, excited about it. Yeah. But I, um, I also want to make sure that we're just providing, like, um, we're thinking about the end game and not just like, shiny thing. Ooh, that, that, well, that's something else. I think the majority of the market is absolutely shiny thing, shiny thing, shiny thing, shiny thing, or, or better yet, what's going to get me my next venture fund? What's going to get me my next angel investor? That's all it is, is let me, 
let me tell you some amazing thing. And I've heard this about TED Talks as well. Let me tell you this amazing idea, right? The, the Onion did their mock TED Talk. That's about the same thing. Let me tell you this amazing idea. Give me your money. Give me your money. Give me your money. Give me your money. Let me show you this next cool thing. Um, but I think there will be a visionary that will step up and see how all these things piece together. Because the Internet of Things has some really amazing benefits, right? We can have a better management of the things around us. We can know how they're doing, what they're doing. Things can connect. And we can actually let things manage themselves more and have a more passive lifestyle rather than actively having to push a button or or push things. And yet, yes, we used to have to do our laundry on uh, by hand. and Right, on rocks. On rocks. And now we've evolved past that. Now the house will operate itself and we'll have better control over things. I think we'll... Uh, will have a better understanding of the world around us when you let the world actually talk back to you and become active players. Yeah, I mean, I'm the champion of this. I have cut my utility bill by a third. Wow. Thanks to just kind of more uh, more active monitoring. I have um, lost a good chunk of weight based on um, wearables, you know, and quantified health um, kind of stuff. And so I'm a huge proponent. But... <laughs> I uh, I am excited to see um, what missteps people who maybe aren't uh, thoughtful will make. Product design is a, is a huge area of interest for me, and and not just how things look, but um, how they can integrate into people's lives. I'm I'm dying to see how it turns out. Yeah, so. let's take the optimist in me and and how the Internet of Things is going to create the ultimate utopia. Right? We will have better healthcare because all our health devices will be smarter and and learn about our bodies. Uh, we, we see this evolution in healthcare where mm-hmm. people are starting to take ownership over their health. They're no longer, it used to be that your physician was 100% responsible for your health. And if right. you got sick, it was because, you know, he or she was doing a bad job. But now doctors have seven minutes to spend with you. That's it. They, they don't have the time to handle every piddly little thing that comes through their health. They have to focus on what they've actually been trained to do rather than uh, the minutia. And now it's our responsibility to understand our own bodies. And you can do that fairly well on your own. Mm-hmm. But imagine if you had all these smart things that told you all the things that we don't understand about our bodies, all the subtle subtleties and... Uh, yeah, and, and now all these devices, the other cool thing is, I mean, the communication part of the Internet of Things story is huge because these devices can all communicate with Watson, and Watson can actually diagnose things, yep. apparently with more accuracy than doctors can. Well, yes, doctors don't exactly have the best track record, but we, you know, weren't allowed to study that for the No, but their, their value add may change. Well, they, it, it absolutely should. No, yeah. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the future view of healthcare is that physicians are not your end-all be-all. I think we're creating multiple layers with accountable care organizations. And the CVS Minute Clinic is, I think, probably one of the most amazing inventions or ideas or concepts that's come out in healthcare. What? What is that? The CVS Minute Clinic is an easy place for you to go and get all your minutia taken care of. You can get a flu shot. You can get a flu test. You can get your physical done. All these things that a doctor is so overqualified to do and never should have had to do, um, you can now get taken care of. And so now you can have people that went to school for eight years doing things that actually require eight years of school rather than 
you know, here's your shot and your lollipop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So those are, that's great. Like I'm, I'm glad to hear your optimism. There's wonderful stuff happening. Uh, There's micro cameras and pills and they can go through the digestive tract and take photos along the way. Like, Hello from sunny lower intestine. It's well, like the incredible journey. Remember the incredible journey? Right? We'd, and, but instead of putting people, we're just sending cameras. Oh, that's nice. But it's not just healthcare, right? I mean, we can we can get significantly better in, in all yeah, no, our social I, problems. No, I'm from, I'm from Iowa. And the fact that, that uh, you know, the tractors now drive around guided by satellites to maximize yields and minimize risk. and uh, All great things, right? Better, yep. healthier food supply. All great things, right? There's no really downside that you can think of, the, right? The, no, the, none whatsoever. <laughs> Good. And so yes, glad you told me that. That's true. So we should just trust that all these internet of things is just going to keep building and it's all going to be smart and there's going to be no hackers to hack into your your um, things. No, and no cyber terrorism. No. A device will never say, I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that. Well, that that does make a good point. So we do have that innate fear in us uh, of Skynet and HAL and... uh, Hey, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. That's true. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are either. And I I think you will have a resistance, uh, especially from the older generations, about this technology. Yeah, the the fear thing is something that will have to be addressed. I think that uh, marketing will become obsessed with privacy and security, and I'm glad. People are obviously becoming aware that they can't even shop at Target safely, necessarily. Well, you can't do anything anymore without somebody knowing what you're doing, but yeah. marketing's gonna take it to the next level. It's gonna be completely individualized marketing and sales. You walk into a store, your phone tells the store you've walked in, and now every single ad and every single product is instantly brought to you. But I feel like this is the same sort of situation with Facebook and Zuckerberg where. Sure. It's just made real. Yeah. Well, like <laughs> it's Facebook only it's your life. Yeah. But if you follow it, it, I think it's an interesting concept. So sure. when Zuckerberg was on stage um, at that conference, I can't remember which one it was, but he and he got really flustered because the entire crowd was getting so angry with him yeah. because of privacy rights. And these are his people. These are his people. These were his followers, loyal followers of the, the Zuckerberg clan. And he he got very flustered because he couldn't understand why people didn't get that by letting Facebook learn about you, that it could give you a better experience. And it took a couple of years. And now people are getting a little bit more forgiving about privacy and they certainly don't understand their privacy settings or change them well enough. And they're starting to appreciate that the ads are targeted to them when they need things. So maybe you are are an optimist. I am. I love that about you. Well, think about it. Next time you go into target, why even bother browsing target? will just instantly bring you a shopping cart as you walk in with everything that's appropriate for who you are and what you need. I will walk in and target will start shoving Oreos in my mouth. That's right. I and can't wait. Yep. It's it, it'll just be there and ready for you or better yet. Target will also have connected into your health data mm-hmm. and know that you're not supposed to have Oreos and instead give you the healthy treats that are appropriate for your body. <laughs> 
while also giving you the home ownership stuff that makes your house more energy efficient and the right learning aids to make your kids smarter. Target is so great. I know. It just knows you so well and gives you everything you need instantly. I can't wait for future Target. And all these things are smart and evolve to what you need them to be. It's interesting. The, the You bring up Facebook, and that is really interesting because you don't think of Facebook and Internet of Things together, but is Facebook not building the perfect nexus of all this data that the Internet of Things will be creating? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, the... And I I feel like that takes you into a whole different element of this Internet of Things is what does this mean for our society and our social interaction and how people interact? I mean, because people already there's a movie out right now, Her, where people are, you know, falling in love with Siri and they're falling in love with their things and they confess more to their phone than they do to any other individual. Now imagine that everything in your life is an internet of things and it's smart and it's connected and it's communicating to you. As long as Scarlett Johansson is the voice of all those things, (laughs) I am fine with that. I think she'd be fine with that too, because that would probably mean she'd be worth a lot. Um, Yeah, no, it's it's all user. um, A lot of the user experience may come between you, um, you know, your day-to-day life with your things. And what does that mean, you know, to how we define ourselves as people in a society? I mean, Facebook's already changed how we interact socially. Now connect all your things into Facebook. Am I going to be checking my feed more often from my car than from my best friends on Facebook? Yes, because your car will be driving itself. Yes. Because your car will be part of the Internet of Things. But my car will also be telling me all the interesting things it saw on the drive while it was driving me around and I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be looking at Facebook instead of out the window as my car <clears throat> dictates what's been going on. Yeah, for sure. Rather than me, you know, seeing... Well, is that the- a bad thing? Do you care about driving? Well, I... It's tough because I think at my core, I, I, I totally embrace the American freedom oh, yeah. car obsession. And I'm going to be one of the holdouts of, I like the, the power of driving my own vehicle. I love the fact that I can control this two-ton machine myself. Okay, grandma. Yep. Grandma's got to drive the car. That's right. Take that's, it off of automatic. I can't do that. Um, I get the safety thing and... And some of the safety features coming out right now are pretty impressive. I mean, you can set the distance on the new catalog of w- how far you want to be from the car in front of you, and it will permanently keep you there. Oh, no that's matter nice how much thing. you drive. That's impressive. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So it, you'd never want to be the, the jerk that's right on someone's rear bumper. You tell it at, at minimum three feet di- distance, and it will always keep you at least there. Yeah, I'm... So basically, you're talking about the illusion of control. You're fine with that. Yes. Okay. So I'm I'm all f- fine with that too. Like if my computer wants to save my life. But see, then I feel like computer. Our our <laughs> does that then have technology turn us into four year olds with the fake steering wheel, where I feel like I'm controlling things, <laughs> but well, really it's as Pixar foretold. Yes. In Wall-E. Yeah. Um, but l- that's what we're getting into, right? And that takes us back into Hal and. Skynet, where everything... Yes, no, there's a, there's a very zen thing about all the menial things we need to do every day, all day, over and over. That's a good point. And, um, yeah, there's there's time to think what happens when, when that goes. I, it's a big question. I don't know the answer, but... And technology keeps getting smarter, and it 
It knows our habits and our interactions better than we do. So it makes them more efficient. So we don't actually have to do them anymore. What, what are we left to do? And love. Well, yeah. (laughs) On the optimistic side, we then have all this time to philosophize and make our world a better place. But my, my thought is actually, we'll just be playing more clash of clans and, Oh, that's a good idea too. And, um, no, I think you nailed it. I think that's auto. Yes. And that's probably what we're going to do with all our extra time. I'm even more excited about this podcast now. Rather than... Thank you. (laughs) Rather than being socially responsible and saving the world, which is what we should be doing. So anyway. So there's a couple other, you know, there there are alternative names for what we're talking about. Okay. There is Thingternet. Thingternet. Yeah, that rolls off the tongue. It's a little hard to say. A little bit. It looks great in print. That was uh, first cited by Ian Cook in 2012. Cisco and Qualcomm apparently couldn't get the trademark on Internet of Things, so they both call it the Internet of Everything. Because trademarking is important, no, and I, we're back I, to the legal. I honestly don't know if that's okay. the reason. But they, <laughs> I found it odd that they both decided to call it the Internet of Everything. But it sounds so much more powerful as the Internet of Everything. Yes, but it's really not going to be the Internet of Everything. Well, I do, mean, so... Do we need to connect everything? Although Google just came out with their uh, connect their smart contact lenses... Sure. Which, which... I think that's great. Get us into a whole new realm. Of, I like that much better than Google Glass. Well, yeah. Now you just put the contact lenses in. And they're yeah. actually trying to take it down the diabetes realm. Yes. Well, that's that's all well and good. So, so still a positive outcome and a positive focus rather yeah. than a world domination. Let's have the computers be Spartan or smarter than us and take over. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice because you get the benefits of Google Glass without seeming like a creep. Yes, or uh, getting pulled over and arrested for driving with Google glasses on. <laughs> yeah, I'm not which, worried about that. that Google will send happened. their team of lawyers if that happens. No, it's just happened. Yes, Google apparently sent a team of lawyers to make sure that she was not convicted, is what I heard. Wow. I don't know if that's true or not. <clears throat> can, can we say things that aren't true? Um, I think everybody already does, so what does it matter? Asterisk. <laughs> that may not be true. We'll find out. <laughs> We're going to try and, and not say things that aren't true that's can good. we can we try doing that at let's least let's try not to that'd be great or let's try to not to say things however that you want to say it okay listeners dun, dun, dun. this is the part of the podcast where we share our definition for the internet of things which will be the beginning to this amazing journey you're going to go on with us where we do many many podcasts about the internet of things you will remember this day as being when your life went before our podcast to after our podcast. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, All right. so the things of the Internet of Things. Yes. We think they do three things. Three things to define that something is part of the Internet of Things. Yes. Okay. Charles, what's the first one? I think it's connect. Okay. And I would say there's two parts to that. How would you define that? Um, connecting to the outside world mm-hmm. via things like sensors. Yep. And connecting to the Internet. Okay. They may do that directly, or as I kind of alluded to earlier in the podcast, I think it's perfectly fine if they do that through proxies, like your sure. phone. Yep. Any and and that's like we mentioned, uh, just the nature of an evolution from the internet of computers to the internet of things that proxies need to exist until everything fully evolves into the internet. And of I things. argue even after. We'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> we'll see. Exactly. Okay. So on the connected uh, sphere of things, I, I think we did touch upon 
And we'll get into more detail on these, the different ways that it can connect information from the existing world around it. It can uh, collect data on uh, everything from temperature to what things look like. You can touch across the five senses and beyond. Sure. And then you've got your accelerometers and you've got health data and uh, pretty much anything we can think of for a way for something to assess the world around it. Yes. GPS, even cameras. Yeah. For sure. There's there's probably an infinite number of ways to connect. And then we can connect to the internet with uh, a number of technologies. Yeah. Bluetooth LE, we've mentioned, is being very popular. Yep. Um, Wi-Fi, cell phone technology. Qualcomm's really big on getting their uh, chips and everything so that... Absolutely. That will connect us in. Even uh, audio. You know, the um, the Furby booms, they communicate via an ultrasonic audio protocol. Interesting. From iPads to Furbies. See, there you go. So so the very first thing it has to do is it has to connect yes. uh, to the outside world um, and, it, and connect into the internet. Because Sold. it's the only way that this second tenant makes any sense because if it doesn't connect and collect information about the world around it and connect into some sort of a, a, the internet to connect to the smarts, it can't do the second thing, which is to compute. Mm -hmm. So our second tenant is that this thing needs to compute. It needs to process the information it's collected from connecting to the world and uh, make some sense of it. It has to have some sort of smarts behind it. It has to be able to understand what's relevant, what isn't, and uh, process that in some sort of way to come up with something that's relevant. Right. And it doesn't necessarily even have to have a microprocessor. No. It doesn't even have to necessarily have a microcontroller, but it needs to be able to make decisions based on stuff from that first part, which is the connect. Definitely. Definitely. So from connecting to the world and connecting Mm -hmm. the internet, it then can compute this information and make some sense of it. Uh, but now it's stuck with all this uh, brilliant knowledge that it needs to then communicate to. Would that be number three? I think that would be number three, three. three. So we have a clear evolution of what makes a thing move from just being a thing to being part of the Internet of Things. Yes. And that communicate part is could be with people. Directly, It could be with web services. It could be with other things. Other things. Yep. Um, Things talking to things. So what we've decided, I think, is that the Internet of Things is effectively this ecosystem that results in a world where things can compute, connect, and communicate. Absolutely. And with those three things, it can exist as its own sentient entity. And whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm sure we'll discuss in more detail. Oh, I'd be fine to defer the sentient part for a little while longer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Far Stuff, the Internet of Things podcast. You can find us on the internet at farstuff.com and at farstuff on Twitter. Get in touch with us using the contact form at farstuff.com or email us at podcast at farstuff.com. And this brings us to the end of our thing. Thanks for listening. Thank you. into digital 
not unlike the movie The Matrix Show in those scenes <laughs> where the picture turned into numbers. Sort of. Come on, don't give me that look. All right. All right.